Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman, and tonight with me, I've got a familiar voice you might recognize. It's me, Ryan Bonaparte. (laughs) Hey, he's back. He's back. After a couple weeks off, uh, one for a special guest and one because it was a holiday, Uh, Ryan is back with us. Uh, Ryan, how did you enjoy your two weeks off? It was nice. I flew out to Oregon to see my mom, so uh, it's been the first time I've seen her in a while, so that was really nice to see her, and first time I've ever been to Oregon, too. Did you uh, did you get Zach Eady any shoes while you were out there? I was unable to. I oh, did gosh. see Nike's track in Eugene. Okay, very nice. But, Steve Prefontaine, of course, uh, huge yep. name there at the University of Oregon. A uh, couple good movies about him. Uh, mm-hmm. I would I would say if you want to watch a good Prefontaine movie, go Without Limits over Prefontaine. That's just my personal preference. Fair enough. I did not, however, make the trip or trek up to Beaverton. That's a shame. So didn't see the headquarters. That's a yep. shame. Um, so we're going to talk about two uh, Purdue basketball related things on this week's episode. One is an article from Dana O'Neill in the Athletic that we're going to discuss um, about Matt Painter and his tournament problems. And then I want to continue the conversation I had solo on the last podcast about 
transfers coming to Purdue. Um, but Ryan, there's one thing non-Purdue related I wanted to talk to you about um, today, and we can just do it briefly. So um, are you ready and excited? Oh, I'm definitely excited. I don't know if I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So um, the Boston Marathon is coming up, and mm-hmm. it is actually, it takes place, um, I think, tomorrow? Yeah. Um, okay. It takes place on Monday, and one of the things that the the New York Times did an article today about um, Kipchoge, the world record holder in the marathon, and, I mean, he's just out of this world fast, but they talked about this machine they've been setting up at, like, the big marathons around the world where okay. it's, like, a giant treadmill, but it's, it's like, bouncy material, and it's safe to run on, so if you fall... You just bounce. And right. what you do is you set this treadmill. They set the treadmill at world record marathon pace and have normal people run on it. And oh, oh, boy. I just want to go watch this. I want to go watch people do this all day. It's going to be like a hamster in a hamster ball. <laughs> that, that's what I'm imagining yeah. right now. Just the little legs just scurrying, yeah. trying to keep up with this pace. And she's like, I, I, I don't run. That's not me. I mean, if anyone who knows me know I don't run, I can't imagine running for 26.2 straight miles, let alone at the pace these guys are going. Right. So the article was like, we can try to explain to you what it's like to run at Kipchoge's pace for a marathon. Go to your local high school and run one lap in 69 seconds, and then do that for 26.2 miles, which would be, uh, some quick math, 104 laps. 104, okay. Yeah, so they're like, just imagine doing that. And then they're like, does that sound like it's not fast enough? And then they're like, run a 437, I think it was, mile, 26 times in a row. Um just outrageous but they had a a clip of of normal people like getting on this this treadmill set to the world record pace and it is just hilarious because you see him doing it and he just looks so fluid and smooth and then you see a normal human being get on it and just like you said it's like a hamster on a wheel like their arms are going their legs are going as fast as they can and then they can only do it for like four or five six seconds for most people and then just bounce and it is so funny um i i was was trying earlier to find more clips of it uh because the article only had like a couple like gifs in it and then they linked to um uh, a tweet where uh mo farah who's another like world famous um marathoner tried to do it and he just kept falling uh mm-hmm. which is just funny so uh i'm gonna send you that link right now so you can at least see him falling um but not really anything purdue related i just thought that idea was so cool um it reminds me of that old television show uh pros versus joes did you ever watch that i have not um i th- I think I've heard of it. It, I mean, the premise of it was exactly like it sounds. They would take these guys. General, I think it was almost always guys. I think there might have been some women um, who, you know, thought they were hot shit, and they'd put them mm-hmm. against a world class athlete in something, whether it was like uh, baseball, football, basketball, track and field, whatever it was. And mm-hmm. it was just so funny to see these guys get humiliated. 
Um, yeah. You know, sometimes they would give him a head start. Like if, if they were running a 100, they would the athlete would run a 100 and uh, Joe would run like a 60. And, <laughs> I mean, they would still lose. Yeah. But I, it's just – it reminds me so much of those pros versus Joes and then the people on Twitter who are like – yeah, I could probably I could probably run for a hundred yards in an NFL game if I had the right blockers. It's like shut up, <laughs> get over it. Yeah. Um, oh, this this reminds me like how dearly I miss the segment on Sports Center, Sports Science. Oh yeah, those were good. That was one of my favorite parts of Sports Center. Like when that came on, and you see like especially like the baseball ones where this guy if he hits it like half a millimeter higher the ball goes like 30 uh feet less it's like absolutely bonkers yeah but like yeah these are truly world-class athletes like this doesn't happen every day and they they know it yeah and it's just it is it's so fun to me to see like normal person go up against them so i i just had to share (laughs) that it cracks me up um, in case anyone out there is curious, okay, the name of it is the Tumblator, T-U-M-B-L-E-A-T-O-R, um, and they've they've taken it to a bunch of a bunch of marathons, and it will apparently next be at the London Marathon, so it will not be at the Boston Marathon, but gonna be interesting okay. uh, to see. Maybe some more videos will come out that will give me great joy uh, seeing normal people just kind of falling on their faces, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah, fun times. Yeah, so. All right, there was an article in The Athletic that I wanted to talk about. I sent it your way. Did you have a mm-hmm. chance uh, to read? I did do my homework. Okay, good, good. So this uh, was in The Athletic last Wednesday, April 12th. Uh, as I said, it was from Dana O'Neill. Um, she does great work over there at The Athletic. Um, obviously, I know The Athletic is a subscription site, and I know a lot of people kind of get angry about that for whatever reason, but... You know, these folks deserve to be paid, and Dana O'Neill, I think, does a great job. Um, she's covered Purdue this season a couple times, and, and I've always been really impressed with, with what she's written. So definitely recommend checking it out if you are a subscriber, and if you're not, you know, I, I do think it's worth the money. So uh, this article, of course, is about March Madness and is about Painter's <laughs> flameouts. So the headline is, After March Madness Flameout, Matt Painter Looks for New Way Forward at Purdue. Um so before we get into specifics, there was a couple quotes I think that stood out to me. Ryan, what did you think uh, of the article and of, of Painter's attitude in the article? I mean, Matt Painter is definitely self-aware. He understands there is clearly a problem where you have such great teams in the regular season just flame out in the tournament. He gets it, but it's not up to us to change it. It's up to Matt Painter, and he understands that. Um, so if nothing else, Matt Painter is self-aware and that's always the first step is to admit you have a problem. Yeah. I'm glad you said it was the first step because you and I have said on this podcast, you know, a number of times we're Matt Painter fans. We're, we're homers. We love Purdue. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think for me, and I didn't expect this, it feels to me like the further away we've gotten from the Fairleigh Dickinson loss, the angrier I am at Matt Painter. (laughs) <laughs> Which I did not expect. Like, I thought it would go, like, I thought I would be really angry in that first, you know, moment after the loss, and I would, and the anger would abate. But as I've, you know, looked back at the tournament history and let it all sink in and looked around, it really is frustrating. And I think it's getting to me more than, than I expected it to. So, 
uh, I read this article and the first quote of you know they talked about uh, the Fairleigh Dickinson game and they asked him if he'd watched it. Had he watched the game? Um, he has not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said one day maybe he'll get out a pair of number two pencils and just jab them in my eyes. And it would be the same experience is what he's saying. Yeah, so pretty much, you know, I, he's not wrong. Um, but as you said, you know, it's the first step and we've read quotes like this from painter before, you know, anytime things go wrong for Purdue, he is self-aware enough to, to look around and go, Oh, I see what's happening. I, I see what's happening. We need to fix this. We need to fix this. Um, maybe something I'm doing isn't working. And then he goes and figures it out. And, I love that about Matt Painter. It's great. Mm-hmm. It you know he did it. I think after um, back when um, Rafael Davis was on the team and they finished you know next to last or dead last in the Big Ten, whatever it was, or it was the year before Ray Davis, whatever. But you know it was around that time um, they finished dead last in the conference, and he changes how he was recruiting and who he's recruiting, and then a few years later Purdue is back atop the conference. So we know he can do this, but it. You just have to ask, like, is he making the right changes for right. long-term success in March? Because right or wrong, March is what matters. Yeah, and it's it's funny you mentioned that because obviously Purdue, as it stands, the way Matt Painter recruits and his system is top tier when it comes to the regular season. And obviously March is what Remember, unfortunately, it's the banners that count. Yeah. We're going to keep that to ourselves, though. Yes, yeah, um, no, don't tell the IU fan in your life that that's true. Exactly. Well, banners within the last 30 years. Count. Well, yes. Anyway. If, if your banner can drink booze, it doesn't really carry much weight. Yeah, if your banner can run for president, it should <laughs> Yeah, be. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so you almost wonder at what cost do you start changing your system because Matt Painter I'm absolutely sure has it within him to go and get the players that can get him to the final four and a championship but you're going to have years where it doesn't work where you are actually reloading and rebuilding and you are going to have down years you do not turn into Kentucky or Kansas overnight also you're going to have years where you struggle in the regular season. Like, it's going to happen, but if somehow you can turn into Syracuse come March time and get to that final or four, Michigan is State, it worth you that? know, to stay closer exactly. to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So do you want Purdue to turn into Michigan State and have some down years? Because not every year is a final four year for Izzo until tournament time. Like, there are years you... He has no business getting there, but mm-hmm. he somehow does. Yeah. It's like what what eggs do you want to or what baskets do you want to put your eggs into, and you can't put them all of your eggs into every basket. It's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it is it has become you know a pattern. It's become frustrating, and I do believe in my painter. Even though I'm frustrated with him right now, I believe that he is you know a good coach. Maybe even a great one, um, but he does have to continue to prove it. You know, it's a, it's an unforgiving profession he's in, um, but he gets paid, you know, a a pretty great amount. So you take the criticism with the you know four to five million dollars a year. So um, elsewhere in the article, you know, he talks about the statistics for that game, 
Um, there were 16 turnovers. Obviously, we know all this, but it's important for context. Purdue shot just 19% from behind the arc. Uh, Painter called that, quote, a recipe for disaster, end quote. Um, but then apparently in the conversation, uh, and this isn't a quote, this is just uh, Dana O'Neill's uh, writing, uh, the missed shots he can live with. The analytics savant says his team led the nation in uncontested perimeter shots by a wide margin. Uh, and though he saw his players' confidence slip during the latter half of the season, he did not mind the shots the Boilermakers took against Fairleigh Dickinson. And that, I think, is both a piece of praise for Matt Painter and a damning admission by Matt Painter because right. he obviously has set up the team for success by putting them in a position to have those open, uncontested perimeter shots. When you got a guy like Zach Eady who garners so much attention, you're going to have better looks from the outside. He has gotten his players in a position to take those shots, but it's also damning that seemingly there's no one out there who can make those shots. Um, he's talked for years now about recruiting a shooter in every class, um, you know, but they don't seem to have shown up uh, in the biggest games. You know, you always watch March Madness, and guys are hitting tough threes, and the big threes that are momentum killers either to end a run uh, and, you know, put your opponent out of reach or to kind of begin a run and get you back in a game. And it seems like those shots are always the ones hit against Purdue and not the ones that Purdue hits in the tournament. Um, you know, Carson Edwards, Ryan Klein being the exception that proves the rule. Um, mm -hmm. But to, to, to say, yes, I like the shots we took, we just didn't make them, that may be true, but they're your players who are taking the shots. And, and I think that's a double-edged sword that he's bringing up there. Yeah, and to an extent, at what more can Matt Painter do when it comes to bringing in these guys? I mean, Fletcher Lawyer won the high school three-point competition in the country. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't know what else he can do, and that's where you start talking about, okay, so if the threes aren't falling, which it's happened three straight years, and the turnovers start uh, piling up, where do we go from here? How do we pivot? And that's where the portal and getting a freak athlete comes in. And we had that in Jaden Ivey. And again, one night, kind of one bad night by the freak athlete kind of ruined all chances. But if you have two or three of those players who can all go off like these superstar teams have that's when you start reinforcing your chances to succeed in March. Yeah, yeah. So th there's there's three more things I think I want to point out about mm -hmm. this article. Um, he, he's, he says this quote, and I think you've, you've seen this probably elsewhere because uh, he has said something similar. Uh, we keep getting beat by the same teams with a different name. <laughs> Small guards yep. who are quick. I got a little too the same. I've attacked and evaluated getting the right person here, but I didn't concentrate on having enough athleticism and quickness to offset that. That's what we need. And this is where it goes back to your earlier point of being self-aware. But, like, did we really need to have three losses to the same team in the <laughs> tournament before we realized this? Um, I know recruiting can be a years, you know, a years-long process. Uh, right. But with the transfer portal, grad transfers... We have to have figured this out before now. 
Um, Miles Colvin coming in next year should be a nice addition. Uh, but again, we're, we don't want to have to rely on a freshman. Um, that's a tough yeah. thing to do, as we saw this year with our two freshman guards, who I think are going to have great careers at Purdue. But, man, it's tough to do this an entire season as a freshman in the Big Ten. Yeah, and it's like this – we saw it last year. One of the main Purdue targets ended up in a Final Four Yep, in Nigel Pack. Like, it, and in a new, he also wound up in a new car. Yes, exactly. The new car is what all what matters, not the Final Four. <laughs> but anyway – um, if Matt Painter knows it, he went and traced after these guys. He just hasn't landed them. Yeah. Uh, so you don't know what exactly is keeping him from landing these players. I don't know if it's between Matt Painter and the players, if something just, you know, isn't always kosher. Like, you know, obviously these players can have egos. Matt Painter can have a different mindset of how he wants to use a player in their role. So there's so many different factors that make or break that decision to come to Purdue or not. Yeah, and yeah, and it and, just hasn't come. Yeah, and that's what I think what I want to spend the second part of the podcast talking about. So we'll put a pin in that and come back. But mm-hmm. he also says, you know, uh, of next season of 2024, um, talking about expectations. He says, "Hey, man, we've raised the expectations. You win the league, you win the tournament, you should advance." What fans are mad about, they're finally right. They want me fired. I can't act like there that there aren't grounds to be mad. I get it. We got to be better. Um, and then, you know, he says later on at the end of the article, he says you can't be tone deaf, but you also have to be careful. It's about a good season versus a good program. We've built a good program. You can't lose that. But I also know I would be a fool if I didn't think I needed to make some subtle changes, and we will. So it's, it all goes back to, to your great point. You know, he is self-aware. He's noted their problems. He knows what those problems are. You know, he discusses the athleticism, the quickness. Um, but it also falls back on a bit of the rigidity that we spoke about a couple weeks ago. Um, he's like, you know, we're a good program. Um, we just, we maybe didn't have the season we wanted to in March. And he's got to make subtle changes do we think subtle changes or an, are enough? I, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on how he defines a subtle change, which they don't talk about in the article. But I, I'm curious if you think, does Purdue need subtle change or does Purdue need a drastic change of some kind? I like to think they only need a subtle change just because where we're at now can get you so far. It's just just one calendar month. It doesn't work. So I think a subtle change may be able to help with that. I don't I'm I hope that you don't need drastic changes because I don't know how suited Purdue is to make drastic changes. Not many people are uh have Lafayette and West Lafayette, Indiana number one on their list. Yeah, it's not a bucket so, list location and I and I love it. I love it, but it's yeah. not a bucket list location. Right. So like I said, I hope that it's more so, hey, we need to get a few different pieces that look different and play different that will just put us over this hump finally. But winning is hard in college basketball, um, and sustaining your winning is even harder. So it's a, it's a steep hill to climb. And you want to think that Purdue is right there near the summit, but hopefully they're not skidding down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
So, you, I mean, I think that's a great point. You just never know how close you are to the summit. It's like climbing a mountain, but the mountain, you know, there are clouds above you. You can't see fully where mm-hmm. you're going, and you could take the next step, and you're at the top. You just don't know. Um, I really do hope that subtle changes are enough. I hope that they can lead us to the mountaintop. I hope we pull the, the Virginia route and win the whole thing next year. Um, right. You know, what a story it would be. But uh, there's the there's the article from Dana O'Neill in The Athletic. I thought it was very interesting. Um, and again, uh, I would always recommend anything from The Athletic for anybody who, who wants to, to do uh, read some good writing. Uh, on a lot of different um, aspects of sports. I think they they do a really good job over there. So we're going to take mm-hmm. a break, um, and then I am going to have Ryan join into the conversation that I started last week regarding transfers coming to Purdue. We will be right back with you, folks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So, if you listened to last week's podcast when I was uh, riding solo, I talked about the fact that, you know, Purdue basketball um, is not really (laughs) getting the big name uh, transfer recruits that, you know, you see on the market and the hot names um, on the market. And we don't know how uh, Lance Jones is going to do at Purdue. He came in from Southern Illinois. Uh, not exactly a powerhouse, you know, and he wasn't really even um, a huge name on that team. wasn't a leading scorer. Um, he was known for his defense, and we'll see uh, what he does when he comes in. I, I hope he comes in and absolutely changes um, everything that we knew about this Purdue program and does what we need him to do and is a great piece. But I don't know if that's the case. Um, and then we saw um, L.J. Cryer. And, you know, and other guys go to schools that were not Purdue. Um, And I just wonder what it is, other than, you know, Lafayette, West Lafayette, as you said a minute ago, um, why do we think Purdue isn't getting these big name transfers after being number one in the country, back-to-back seasons, winning their conference championship, winning the conference tournament championship, being a one seed, granted, yes, we lost in the first round, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but I mean, what what is what is Purdue missing? Yeah, it's like you don't know. Like, at what point do you think it's just, hey, this is our system, and people just don't agree with it? Because when you have someone in the transfer portal, I feel like what you want mostly, if you're in the transfer portal, is to find greener grass somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Purdue. We all know Matt Painter is a very system guy, and he knows what he wants in a player, and he will define your role. And that's not always going to be, hey, you will be the superstar here. And I don't know if a player will always agree with that. Nine times out of ten, I feel like a player won't agree with that. And that's why it's so important when Matt painter comes and recruits that he instills in these players at young ages that this is your role this is how you will be successful but if it's coming from a transfer portal will a player know that 
not necessarily. They could have been instilled in their head that you're going to be a superstar when you come to college basketball. Right. And that's what they still want to go out and find because they are given the power to now say, it's not working here. Can I go find that somewhere else? And sometimes you find it, sometimes you don't. But Purdue may not be what these players are looking for when they transfer. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. One thing that I thought of after I had recorded uh, last week was if you follow Purdue recruiting or if you read about the program, you know that a few years back Matt Painter kind of changed everything he he had previously done with recruiting, decided that he needed to go after different guys, he needed to find players that fit his system, fit into a team aspect. Um, and so one of the things he started doing was giving like a personality test to every recruit. So when you come on campus, you sit down and you do a personality test and they look at, I think it comes back with like, what kind of, uh, you know, are you coachable, blah, 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 all these things. I mean, I can't Mm -hmm. pretend to know um, the science or anything behind these tests, but Painter has used this test for years, Uh, seems to be getting good results for him. You know, he's getting good recruits getting big name recruits and uh, as we said, you know, winning the conference title, winning the Big Ten tournament title. So there is some success to it. But I mean, is this something that the number, you know, nine player in the country out of high school or the top recruit out of uh, a small school or, uh, you know, a big school who hasn't really been getting it done and is looking for greener pastures, as you said, is this something that they want to do? Do they want to come in and be like, yes, I will take a personality test and see where I fit and then we'll talk about my coachability. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if if that's just a if that's just an approach to recruiting that doesn't work for a certain subset of high level athlete. Right. So I have to I have to bring up Ted Lasso. Okay, I love it. Always. Does Purdue needs its Zava? Oh God, Zava. Uh, so for those that don't know, uh, season three of Ted Lasso, uh, you might. If you're not caught up, this might be spoilers, um, so just skip ahead about 45 seconds. Um, Zava is like a the world's biggest Zava. soccer player, world's best yeah. soccer player, um, and AFC Richmond, the team Ted Lasso coaches, needs a new guy, and he's available, and they make it known that they want him. They go out, and he doesn't originally want to go to them because they've never won a trophy, they've never won the title, Um but they go, they give him a speech, they say, you know, you got to have the balls to come here and do the right thing. And he eventually signs with them and leads them to a just incredible start in the league. Then he, are you caught up, by the way? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, I didn't want to spoil anything for you. Uh, <laughs> then he just retires out of nowhere. And it we'll see how it's affected the team in their first game back. They lost, they got destroyed. Um, but we'll see how it goes for the rest of the year. So, if you're now skipping the Ted Lasso spoilers, you're right back in it. So uh, what do you mean by that, Ryan? Yeah, I just mean that do you need to go and find someone that clearly doesn't fit your system but has enough star power to carry a team and just bring you to that promised land that you have been striving to get to right but that's where you come up with but at what cost yes yeah yeah it reminds me of kind of what happened to my beloved tampa bay buccaneers um (laughs) you know we we won the super bowl way back in the early 2000s and then 
just went into a nosedive for a number of years. Um, and then, you know, we came back, got a little bit better every a, a few years in a row, and then suddenly Tom Brady is available, and we signed Tom Brady. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's Tom Brady. We're going to win it all. And sure enough, they do. But they had to, you know, they signed Gronk. Brown comes on board, a guy with a terrible history, terrible reputation. And the next season, he blows up the team. Uh, you know, runs off the field, throws his jersey into the crowd, shirtless, you know, gives the peace sign as he's running off the crowd. And, and the team just imploded on themselves. And it, it was a weird, weird trajectory. But it got, it got the Buccaneers a Super Bowl. He doesn't really fit in. But was it worth it? I guess yes, but you know you're giving a platform to a guy who's a terrible person. Um, I guess if you really want to look at it this way, kind of forced him to end his career. Uh, so maybe mm-hmm. it worked out because I do not like Brown. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, but yes, so you you take the good and you take the bad. But is it worth it in the long run? Matt Painter might have to ask himself that question. Yep. I mean, it beats jabbing pencils in your eyes. Yes, that is true. That is true. If that's your other option, I would definitely um, definitely go after a guy who maybe doesn't fit. Which is interesting that you, know, you talk about a guy who doesn't fit because I don't really think Carson Edwards fit in Purdue's system for a lot right. of the time. Jaden Ivey didn't really fit in Painter's system for a lot of the time. Exactly. But yep. Painter trusted those guys to go out there and take over. And I'm not sure at this point... Painter has somebody who he truly trusts to just kind of freewheel out there. Um, He's very, very rigid and controlling of of his squad, and he doesn't allow a lot of, uh, you know, improvisation out on the court. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes that's what you need is just give the ball to your best player and say, go get points. Go score buckets. Right. So, and I feel like Carson Edwards of all players did that more than anybody else, and it drove Matt Painter's bonkers at yeah, times. Yeah, it was very evident, but it worked. Yeah, I mean the number so, of the number of times Painter was like hands on his head as he took a shot, and then was like, "Okay, okay, good." After he made it, uh, mm-hmm. it you know, it's just so many times that happened throughout his his senior season with Purdue. Yep, absolutely, and it's. It's a little troubling to me at times, too. And this might have been just because of the everyone gets an extra year from COVID. But not many of these classes anymore are like the big four-person class that you have. um, Like when you had Vince Edwards, PJ Thompson, Dakota Mathias. All of them in the yeah. same class, where you have that class of seniors. Yeah, or like the that baby boilers. Seem to anymore. Exactly. So that doesn't seem to happen as much anymore, and I feel like that could be very useful as well. But obviously, that takes years of planning, and yeah, these players need to stick around too. That's yeah, it's a big factor in that. All. Yeah, I mean, you have to if you're if you're going to recruit a class like that, you have to really believe that they're going to be around for all four years. Because the way recruiting is done now, you just, I mean, how do you balance recruiting high school players versus the transfer portal? Do you always want to try to have an open scholarship? Do you always want to have in the back of your mind that, hey, maybe I'm going to have to push somebody out 
after every season because I got to see what's available. I, I don't know. It's a difficult, difficult situation these coaches now find themselves in. Mm-hmm. Not to mention now you have, uh, you know, your top one percenters can go straight into the G League. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I think uh, there's one more thing I want to bring up with this, and I I'm amazed we've gone this far and haven't mentioned it. But there's of course the NIL issue staring yes. at, us, at us. Um, and I, I don't think there is a good way to find numbers on NIL um, unless a player simply comes out and tells you um, how much they've made or if a collective uh, comes out and says, we've given away, you know, X amount of money and here's how it's divided. I don't think we're going to be able to look and say, is Purdue doing well? Is Purdue doing poorly in NIL? I think (laughs) that, I think the general perception is that Purdue is doing poorly, but that's just a perception based on, I think how people view Purdue because I Mm -hmm. have not seen numbers on how it has worked out for Purdue and Purdue athletes. I mean, mm-hmm. we see the big name deals coming out of Miami with the Life Wallet guy just giving away millions of dollars, but until we have hard numbers, I think it's hard to gauge. And Purdue, just like everybody else, is adapting to this new world, and I don't know that it's fair to judge them entirely based on Nigel Pack uh, not getting, what, $800,000, whatever it was? eighty mm-hmm. thousand. I don't remember. I think but, it's eight hundred. But I mean, and a, whatever in a car, I know that. Um, yep. So it's just it's hard to judge at this point. I think everything is just so new. Yeah, and I think I think the pro- part of the problem is with this new NIL deal. It sort of brings the power back to the boosters in the sense that a school with a large booster club can make NIL so worth your while, and it. Um, because you don't see the Texas or the Alabamas or the Florida schools have really any issues with these. Um, and it gives the power, like, absolutely the players deserve it. They deserve to make money off their likeness. But we all, I think it's a common notion that the NCAA rushed this and did not put enough guidelines to it to now it's the wild west well i mean the ncaa didn't even do anything they got forced by state laws and court decisions to just kind of like back away and do nothing right and they they were like okay we've got three months to come up with a guy set of guidelines for how this is going to work and then they were just like um pass and now this is where we are yeah and obviously being you don't want to be the school that just cries NIL and say that, well, you know, everyone else has more money than us, so we're getting screwed. But it's kind of a real thing. The smaller schools have more difficulties getting these players if you're going by the money metric alone. Right. It's funny, like, sometimes uh, in the recruiting portal, they'll actually, I saw, like, potential NIL stock on players oh geez that just sounds insane to me but yeah so some outlets are saying this guy has potential for this much nil wow it's like oh my god now we're just putting a price tag on these players and that's and wild it's it's the wild west absolutely but it's not like purdue can't help themselves i mean th- purdue's got enough boosters to where if the boosters want to you know, help they can, but 
at what point do you say we should need to do this? And, I mean, Indiana is itself when it comes to basketball. I mean, it's basketball in 49 other states. So coming to Purdue is the mecca of basketball at times, but, like, it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, and, and I just want to say – um, I saw on the Purdue University Instagram page the other day something I did not know. Uh, the president of Pizza Hut is a Purdue grad. So where's my pizza money, man? You know, like <laughs> let's let's throw out some some NIL deals for Purdue basketball players or Purdue football players mm-hmm. or volleyball players. Give me give me some some great great Pizza Hut advertising uh, yeah. for these folks. You know, let's bring in some money. Maybe we can have special pizzas for a player. Whatever we gotta do, there's there's a reason you're at that position, and it's because you're a Purdue degree. So let's you know let's give back. Let's figure out a yeah. way to get some free pizzas out there. Pizza Hut, Orville Redenbacher. Yeah, that that's an easy one right there. I mean, yeah. these are just layups. Exactly. So uh, we we gotta we gotta figure out where all this money is in the Purdue alumni uh, network and kind of shake it loose. So. That's going to be a new job. Is going to be the person to go out and find all these NIL deals oh, for your players. That is that would Call be a your, nightmare job for me. Yes, but like that's where the creative side comes to fruition. Call it your like I don't know sports monetary consultant. It oh I there there are few worse jobs that I could step into than that one for me. Oh, it sounds like a nightmare. But uh, there we go. So. Uh, Ryan, any final thoughts on uh, transfers coming to Purdue? Mm. We we've got some pretty good bars. I mean, do we? We got like I four mean, bars. We've got two. We've yeah. got two good ones. They, Purdue's got to. They somebody needs. They need what they need to do is they got to finish Chauncey. They got to figure out what they're doing with Chauncey Hill, and then at that point they'll figure out what they're doing with the bars. Because if they're going to build that big apartment complex or you know, whatever at Chauncey Hill Mall and tear down Chauncey where how it is now, they need to determine if they're going to have stuff on the bottom level and apartments above it. Because if they're going to have stuff below it, they could put a few bars down there, and it would be really good because you know there there used to be Jake's and granted the Yacht Club, which not really my place. We're right there next to each other. Now there's nothing. Mm-hmm. So we got to figure out a way to to make that a little more of an attractive area. Right. And if you're under 7'4", we most likely can get you shoes. Most likely, yeah. Probably 99% yep. chance. Yep. So. All right, that, there we go. That's, yep, that's what's going to pull them in. That's right. That's, that's what's going to get everybody in the door. So, uh, Ryan, good to have you back. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll be back with you next week. Yep.